0: Hi everybody, it's Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM 7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Anxiety, depression, and mental health are serious issues facing our society right now, from uncertainty with our economy to wars and social tensions. There's a lot coming at us, and that's why controlling the controllables is critical when it comes to positively coping and adapting to stress. So what are the foods you reach for when you're stressed are actually making your anxiety worse? Well, today we're speaking with Dr. Uma Naidu, a board certified psychiatrist who holds a degree in nutrition science and she's a chef. As director of nutritional psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital, Dr. Naidu shares paradigm-shifting insights on how poor diet drives gut inflammation, contributing to anxiety, depression, and even Alzheimer's disease. This is a very practical episode packed with valuable information on how to nourish both your mind and body by fighting inflammation at its source, your plate. Make sure to also pre-order a copy of her new book, Calm Your Mind With Food, a revolutionary guide to controlling your anxiety. I put a link in the show notes not only does it have a deeper dive into today's topic, but she includes meal plans, shopping lists, and some of these recipes are phenomenal, like her calm chocolate mousse, spicy, crunchy cucumber salad, pan-seared purple sprouting broccoli. I mean, she's got some really good stuff in here. shiitake bacon. I was reading to this, I was getting really hungry. She is phenomenal. You're actually going to love this episode, so let's get right to it. Let's lean in and learn from the best. Dr. Naidu, we hear a lot about systemic inflammation in the media. It's just, we hear about inflammation a lot. What are the drivers for inflammation and how does this impact our mental health?
1: Thanks for that question. Inflammation is the driver of uh, significant conditions like anxiety, depression, cognitive disorders, and more. And one of the things that impacts inflammation in our body is the food that we eat. Now, I want to make sure we understand that acute inflammation, if we fall over and hurt our knee, twist our ankle, uh, have a cut, those are things in, that happen to our body where we need acute inflammation and the processes that heal that wound. And that's important, uh, important body function. We are now referring here to more of a chronic, insidious inflammation, which gets set up over time. Say that you have switched your diet and you're mostly eating fast foods and processed, highly processed foods, that could actually set up your gut for inflammation over time because the foods that you're eating are breaking down and being digested, but toxic byproducts are being formed, which are forming inflammation in the gut.
0: So, what are the signs or signals that you have inflammation in the body? Chronic inflammation. (laughs)
1: Right, there could be uh, several several different things, but the way that things like this show up is you may notice that you have skin, your skin is less healthy. You may notice that you're feeling pain in your joints, that you are more sluggish, you have some brain fog, you're just not as sharp and attentive at work or able to focus. You may be feeling more anxious, you may be more worried, you may not be able to sleep well. All of these, in some way, shape, or form, could indicate that there may be some inflammation going on that you may want to attend to
0: okay now what is going on in the gut when we have inflammation what's biologically going on and then how do we know this is something like i know you just mentioned some of the symptoms but how do we know Mm -hmm. like okay it's time to really start changing something with the way that we're eating or maybe some of the behaviors that we're engaged in
1: yeah that's a great question so the breakdown products of a healthy salad, a healthy meal, you know, bre- the breakdown products of digestion are also healthy. They help to lower inflammation and are good and healing for the gut. But when we're eating less healthy foods, the breakdown products of digestion are more toxic. Now, in the microbiome, there are trillions of microbes. They live there, they help us actually function, survive, they're involved in things like immunity, uh, sleep and circadian rhythm, which is our internal body clock. They're involved in mental health, they're involved in fighting infections in our sleep, all sorts of things. But, oh, and vitamin and hormone production, but there are also microbes down there that are negative and bad guys, right? So when we eat the less healthy foods, it feeds the microbes that are less healthy and they crave you know, the unhealthy foods. And when they are fortified by the less healthy foods that we're eating, they start to cause damage and they start to cause havoc in the gut. They lead to inflammation over time, a condition called dysbiosis, and they also start to damage the single cell lining of the gut. So over time, you may develop a condition called leaky gut or intestinal permeability. And that's when we know that we are starting to have problems because what I see clinically in my practice is an uptick of anxiety. Or uptake of different symptoms, but that could be one of the most common symptoms is anxiety.
0: Okay. The two things that just came to my mind one, let's differentiate between what is healthy and unhealthy foods first. And then the second would be the impact of the gut on anxiety and depression and how this inflammation is driving some of these mental health issues that we're seeing. And even yeah. I think kind of extending this out to neurodegenerative issues like Alzheimer's. So let's start with mm-hmm. the unhealthy, healthy food.
1: Sure. So, you know, healthy foods are leaning into your plant foods, lots of colorful vegetables, lots of berries, um, the different colors and textures bring biodiversity to your gut and fiber, something our body needs. You know, healthy fats from things like salmon, uh, other fatty seafood, anchovies, sardines, but also hemp seeds, flax seeds and more. Leafy greens. Leafy greens are rich in folate. Low folate is associated with the low mood in research. So just having leafy greens, lots of salads, and those types of vegetables are great for you. But then it's also a prebiotic uh, fiber, and you get that from garlic, leeks, and onions, just to start. Fermented foods, which you get from kimchi, kombucha, kefir, miso, depending on what you like to eat. So you're sort of building up this very interesting, complex, but healthy Nutritional psychiatry plate, and you have your healthy fats, your healthy proteins. Healthy fats come from avocado, olive oil. Healthy fats, those omega three fats, from fatty, fatty seafood, etc. And the less healthy foods are, you know, existing on sort of fast foods. Fast foods are fried and deep fried in unhealthy oils. These are the cheaper oils, which are highly processed and reused. And these cheaper oils are pro-inflammatory. So by eating those foods, you are worsening inflammation in your body over time. Other unhealthy foods are the added and refined sugars in foods. An important thing to understand is four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. So if you ever look at a food food label, it's really easy to quickly calculate approximately how many and, and think to yourself, would I be adding eight teaspoons of sugar to a small yogurt? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you do consume yogurt, getting a plain yogurt and adding in some blueberries and some cinnamon could be a healthier choice for you. Other things are artificial sweeteners. So a lot of those diet sodas and energy drinks that may be called low sugar, whatever, however they're being advertised, artificial sweeteners are not helping us. And then the unhealthy fats from uh, hydrogenated fats and trans fats are, those are the most common that we um, are concerned about.
0: What I find very interesting about this is, you know, you're a medical doctor, board-certified nutritional psychiatrist. I mean, this is a very interesting background that you have, and we're talking about food and mental health, and I think that this is often missed, and it seems to me that, like, what you're espousing here is that if we take control of what we're putting in our bodies, it can directly impact how we feel and our mood. Is there any literature on folks that change their diet versus those that are maybe using drugs or medications? Are you recommending that we move away from those things? I'm just curious because you, know, you talk about this plate and its impact mm-hmm. on our brain. Like, What's in the mm-hmm. literature that's kind of promoting this?
1: So nutritional psychiatry is a nascent and emerging field. My first book, This Is Your Brain on Food, I have a ton of research in there behind the different mental health conditions and what we know. So we're not at a point of this being prescriptive where I can say, eat 10 blueberries or take 10 milligrams of Prozac, but we Mm -hmm. are at a point of really clear guidances about what's better for our brain than what's not better. That being said, I think one of the principles we want to be embracing is that we sort of know the unhealthy foods, right? But most people associate those unhealthy foods And it doesn't mean you can never eat them. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just that's all that you're eating. It's different. And we tend to think about those foods in relation to our weight or our, you know, waist circumference or weight gain or, you know, that type of stuff. It's really less about the number on the scale because it's really much more about the mental health and the Mm -hmm. fact that food does impact our mental health. It does it matter to our metabolism if we've gained weight and stuff like that. Absolutely, it does throw things off. But I think it's important to know that there are solutions uh, with more tools in the toolbox about medications. They have saved the lives of many of my patients. So medications may be something that you need. Maybe the way that food can help you is that you may not need as high a dose. It might be that in some of my patients, I can very carefully lower the dose or help their other provider taper off the medication because they've now managed to move their diet over in a very powerful way that's helped them. Number one, it's a marathon on a sprint, it takes time. Number two, you can actually work on nutritional principles while taking your medication. So it just depends on your individual situation.
0: It's getting to be that time of year again, folks, where people are thinking about New Year's resolutions. Maybe they wanna get a little bit fitter, maybe tighten up their eating, change their body composition. And that's why I'm excited to talk to you about AIM-7's new resistance training programs that are tailored to your unique physiology and your goals, your exercise equipment, your changing time demands, and your ability to adapt to stress. Our methodology helps you rapidly improve fitness and reduce burnout and injuries. And there's one cool feature I wanna tell you about. Let's say you typically work out at a gym, but life gets really crazy and you can't make it in. Game seven will build you a program on the fly for something maybe you could do at home with just your body weight So you can keep making progress no matter what life throws at you This is not just a PDF to download which you're gonna see a lot of those coming out in the new year This is like having our world-class coaches and scientists with you in the gym leveraging your wearable data for personalized solutions, and it's very cost-effective Trust me, you're not going to find a more adaptable and effective program on the market. So check it out now, free for seven days. The link is in the show notes. I like this. It's a holistic approach and there's no one size fits all. And it's like exercise also definitely impacts our mental health. And so if you start adding Mm -hmm. the appropriate nutrition interventions, you add exercise in, you start looking at tools you can use to regulate your level of stress, then that mixed with potentially the right pharmacological intervention could have different impacts on different folks. I really appreciate your broad view of this. And, you know, some people take a very narrow approach that one thing's going to fix it all. But what about, uh, you know, a lot of us have aging parents or relatives that are struggling yeah. with dementia and Alzheimer's. What do we know about what mm-hmm. you're eating and those types of clinical outcomes?
1: What we know is that, you know, we don't yet have a cure for Alzheimer's. We, we know this but we're always trying. Food can definitely impact a condition called neuroinflammation in the brain. So helping them adjust to a healthier diet, helping them eat enough food that is both nutrient dense and good for their brain could actually fend off inflammation if they have that in the brain. So diet can be powerful. It, it may not reverse a condition, but it can certainly fend off neuroinflammation and having them include healthy fats, some of the foods we've already talked about, also spices uh, turmeric with a pinch of black pepper, olive oil, and things that are rich in an antioxidant called luteolin can actually help with brain fog and brain function. so I think that just helping our parents or our loved ones who are aging and maybe experiencing other things, uh helping them also consume more of a whole foods healthy diet is super important.
0: One thing I noticed in your book and I don't want to I don't want you to give it all away because I definitely want people to buy this book. I think it's phenomenal. I also love the the thank cover you. and how you've got this oh, beautiful <laughs> cauliflower that looks like a brain. Very well done. I'm probably sure you had to either clip a cauliflower or find just the right cauliflower for this, but it's beautiful. What are some of these pillars for calming our mind? I know you have six. Maybe we can yeah. just talk about a few of them. Sure.
1: Sure. So, uh, two of them, actually, one of them you've covered, and let me reiterate this. Uh, it's, it's really identifying those foods which may be driving your anxiety, but you're overlooking. You're sort of wondering why your anxiety is worse, So you're feeling a certain way, but you've kind of not realizing you've added in certain foods recently or the past month that you weren't eating before. So, cleaning up your diet a little bit is a key one. The other one is eat whole to be whole. So, eating those whole foods will actually help you be your whole self, your best self, your less anxious self. In other words, be able to function at a higher level. And again, it goes back to that principle, the more times we can actually reach for an actual food versus the processed version of it, the better the better it is going to be for our brain health. And actually, could it could also impact our physical health and our weight as well.
0: So something I used to recommend to my athletes, so my background was in professional in college sports as a performance coach and director and one of the things we would tell them to do was just stick to the perimeter of the grocery store because uh, mm-hmm. if the closer you mm-hmm. get to the middle the more things are processed but do you have any recommendations mm-hmm. for when people go grocery shopping maybe yes. what their baskets should look like
1: yes and i actually have a shopping list that i outline in the book uh as well as a protocol to go along with it and then we add the recipes so I definitely have an opinion about this. Permit is great. And I totally agree with you on that, Eric. Mm. But actually, it turns out there's some really good foods in the Middle Isles, but you've got to be careful about which ones you go to. There are things like beans, legumes, lentils. You can get them dried. You can get them canned organic if you, you, know, if you, you don't want to cook them from scratch because that can be, take a lot of time. Just rinse them out and use them. But also things like canned salmon, canned tuna canned oysters and mussels, which are actually good brain foods. Not everyone can. Not everyone has access to wild-caught salmon. And sometimes that salmon can be really expensive. So having a canned version of salmon is actually still offering your brain the healthy omega-3 fats. So there are definitely some great foods in the center. You just have to know which ones to choose and to kind of avoid the less healthy aisles.
0: Nice. What are some of your favorite foods? I mean, you're an excellent cook. (laughs) And this book is full of wonderful recipes, but like for you personally, I mean, I think it's interesting, like, what does a day or a week look like for you? What What does your plate look like typically, or the foods that you yeah. you enjoy eating?
1: Yeah, I was raised vegetarian, so I want to be clear, I did make some magical choice for, uh, for a certain reason. I just happen to be part of a vegetarian family. So I've always eaten vegetables, but I cook anything. As a chef, I cook absolutely anything, and other members of my family eat anything. So I'm very flexible that way. But for me, one of the things I love to do is do some meal prep because that's the only way, honestly, that I can get through my week. So I always have, you know, lots of leafy greens prepped and I love, I kind of love challenging myself, like dandelion greens if I can get them and watercress and, you know, different types of lettuces and and then the regular ones that I like too. I also keep as many colors of vegetables. So if you look at my supermarket cart, I'm getting as many different colors of foods in the produce aisle that I can. I'm not talking Skittles here. So you know we, we <laughs> just want to be clear. <laughs> so, so we, you know, fill it up with that. And the anthocyanins from blueberries, hugely powerful. The carotenoids from carrots, hugely powerful, rich in polyphenols, great for our brain, great for our gut, rich in fiber. So even those simple foods can make not only great salad, great roast dishes, you know, roasted vegetable dishes to add to whatever you're cooking. You know, If I'm buying uh, beef or poultry, I will get grass-fed and pasture-raised as best I can. But I also want to make sure that people understand if you don't have access or that's not within your budget, it's still better to eat, cook a chicken or cook pieces of chicken than have a chicken nugget or buy the fast food version of it. It is still much better. So definitely have that on continuum of what you're trying to do. Um, I love different forms of grass fed dairy. So kefir, plain kefir, you know, plain Greek yogurt, which I will add. I'll add a bit of cinnamon and some berries, really healthy, nutritious snack for me because it keeps me uh, full between, between meetings and podcasts and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, Always, (laughs) always filling up my cart with those things. And then beans, legumes, lentils, always have them on hand because they can amplify a salad that I'm eating they can add to the protein that I want. And tofu things, tofu and tempeh are some of my staples. I don't eat them necessarily every day, but I eat, those are good sources of protein for me during the week. I try to change it up. And I love spices, one of my favorite things. So those flavor up all of the foods. And I, when I say meal prep, I meal prep certain things like a few days of chia pudding because that's a great a snack or a great breakfast. It's filling rich in protein and fiber and I top it with a little bit of nuts and berries. And the other thing I love is dark chocolate. So extra dark, natural chocolate, little piece uh, goes a long way to helping me feel like, hey, I've had you know had a had a lovely dessert. So
0: I want to eat in your house. So it's welcome anytime, mate. Right? <laughs> I love that. Um, I have a question for you. So when I meal prep on Sundays, I chop up a lot of different vegetables and I roast them. Okay, yeah. so bell peppers, onions, asparagus, whatever. And I try to yeah. just, I mean, it's a ton. And yeah. then I just roast it at the beginning of the week. And then typically what I do for lunch, I buy salmon fillets. I love just roast or air fry a salmon fillet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I put that mm-hmm. with vegetables. Are there certain things that are good to meal prep at the beginning of the week and certain things that you shouldn't meal prep at the beginning of the week? You know, so like is roasting vegetables a good idea to kind of get you through the week because then I can just yes. grab it and throw it with whatever protein yeah. I want.
1: Yes. So a roasting vegetables, is a good idea. Having your lettuces prepared, your leafy greens prepared. If you don't want to you know, rinse them and, and kind of dry them early in the week, you can have them prepped in containers and you can just wash them clean. And, and I use a little salad spinner to get the water out for my salad so that the, you know, the leafy greens are not wet. All sorts of uh, almost crudity, you can prep those ahead of time because vegetables will last at least a week chop your celery, your carrots, your bell peppers, your cucumbers, whatever it is that helps you get prepared for the week. The things that I um I will, with salmon or chicken, I can do baked chicken or uh, roast chicken pieces. And those will last a few days at a time. For meats and poultry, my I mean, some people do it for a week at a time. I do do it for shorter amounts of time mm-hmm. for other members of my family. Uh, so about two or three days at a time, same thing with, with fish. But with a lot of those bases of what you're doing, right, the spices, the herbs, the garlics, the leeks, the onions, you can do all of that ahead and then add them in, especially as we're going into a cooler season now, soups and stews are a great way, a great thing to meal prep that you can add so many nutrient dense foods to. And you can have all of those things prepped and then cook it on the day that you have time.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Naidu, make sure to check out next week's episode where we're going to talk about your hunger hormones. We're going to talk about anxiety-busting foods and supplements. Also, if you're looking for a new program going into the new year, check out AIMS 7's personalized resistance training programs. They are phenomenal. Thanks again for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode.